Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Although we've come to the end of the road, still I can't let go. It's unnatural. You belong to me. I belong to you. Eric, why are we doing this? Because it's a party! Party! Yeah! Wow! Man! It is impossible, almost incredible to believe that we're at the end of the road. We're at the end of the road, man. But it's kind of like the beginning of a road, too. I think so. I think it is. It's it's the beginning of the end? No, it's the end of the beginning. I don't no. know, but something start, something new is starting. Yeah, so we have been doing United Worship for, is this our 16th or 17th week? Somewhere around there. I don't know. a long time. A long time since quarantine started. But we're seeing a light. We're seeing a green phase at the mm, end of the tunnel. I see what you did there. Yeah, I see I what see I did there. That. That you like good. that? Yeah. That was good. So a green phase is coming. And that means that our respective churches are starting to move back into life as a church, kind of autonomously apart right. from each That's other. Right. And so, well, I've loved being with you. And, and me with you. Thank you. I, I was hoping you would yes, return, yeah, coming the, that, return that favor. But but I've loved being with you, but I miss my people, and I think mm. my people miss us, and I'm sure your people feel the same way. I'm not sure about that, but I, I hope <laughs> they do. I hope they do. I hope they do. We're coming back together. Yeah. We're coming back together. So let, let us give you really quickly uh, a welcome to this service of worship. Absolutely but also a quick uh, infomercial for when we're coming back together, which will be next Sunday. Next Sunday on the 12th, Roxborough and Wissahickon Church will meet together. We will have three options for you. At 9 a.m., we'll be live in the sanctuary. You do need to pre-register for that service. We will also stream that service online on our normal online platform. And at 11 a.m., you can join us on the front lawn of the church. Bring your chair, bring your blanket, wear your mask. We're going to have a great time of worship outside. So three options. Online at 9, in person at 9 if you pre-register, or 11 a.m. in the front lawn. Eric, when are you guys going to meet? Yeah, so we are going to live stream on our normal online platform beginning next week, the 12th. That will be at 10 a.m., our normal start time for our church service. And after that, we are working towards meeting in person on the 19th. You can check out our website or our Facebook page for more information for that. But, right. I've had a great time with you. Charlie, he's over there. He was our background singer. Yeah, he's he was. He's supposed to be humming right now, but C he sharp, C sharp. C sharp. C sharp. And, and straightforward. Straight that's right. Our yeah. backup singer. That's, that's right. right. That's we got right. it. So I've had a blast with you guys. I think you have one other announcement, though, right? Where are you recording from oh, next week? Oh, man. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So big time announcement. Watershed Church has a new location. For years, we've met at Amy Northwest Middle School. We love them and had a great relationship with them. But now we are meeting in the Wissahickon Church. So when Wissahickon comes back, they'll have their Saturday evening services at 5. That's right. But Watershed will be in the Wissahickon Church on Ridge Avenue. I think it's 5245 Ridge Avenue at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. So we're really, really excited about that big news. It's going to be great. Some great things have come out of a really tough time. And one of the great things that have come out is our three churches working together. And we want to say right now we are committed to continuing to look for ways for our churches to continue mm. to partner together as we come into as we reemerge and as we come into the new season of ministry that's ahead of us. Let's pray now as we enter into a time of worship. Mm. 
Father God, we thank you because you're doing great things. There are things to celebrate. These little pom-poms and a confetti in the air and, and people singing in the background are reminders that you, uh, that, 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 that you are to be celebrated and that the church is re-emerging to come back together again. And whether that's happening right now or, or whether we're working our way to it, we know, God, you are the center of it. So, God, today as we're here, wherever we're at, with the people we're with, or even if we're by ourselves, Lord, would you be present Mm. Um, be in the preached word and allow us and help us to receive that and to apply it to our lives. Meet us in a time of worship and receive the songs as, as reflection of our heart to you. God, you've done great things, and we celebrate you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What's going on, everybody? My name is Pastor Ricky, and I am so excited to be back with you guys once again, and this time for a new series for the month of July called Crossover where we cross over from ordinary to extraordinary. You see, if you're like me, maybe you've struggled at one time or another, whether you were too small or good enough to be used by God for whatever it is he wanted you to do. And sometimes we struggle with that, right? But in our series, we are going to talk about how God uh, takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things with them by giving them extraordinary gifts. And so let's get ready to cross over. Our story for today comes from Judges chapter 6, where we meet a guy named Gideon, and God asked Gideon to do something extraordinary, but Gideon was afraid and needed God's peace. And so we are going to talk about this story today, and to do that, we are going to join our friends Carl and Cassie once again, and so let's get ready to join them. So gather around your TV, and let's hear what they have to say. There I was, knee deep in the floor swamp. The gator and I were nose to nose. And I slowly reached my hand out of the water to use as a distraction and took my other hand and grabbed him by the neck and the tail. I could hear his teeth chomping, just trying to get a piece of me. Then all of a sudden, I woke up. The dream was crazy. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, you know we're rolling, right? Like now? Yeah, we're filming. The video has started. Oh, so we're going? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um... Yeah. <clears throat> Hi there, you little chicken nuggets. It's me, Carl. <laughs> that wasn't embarrassing. Welcome to Grow TV. Introducing your host, Carl. And your co-host, Cassie. Where we learn, where we grow, and we talk about Jesus. Once again, welcome to Grow TV. Well, hello there, kiddos. It's glad to see each and every one of you. Even though I can't see you, I, it's cool. <laughs> and welcome to Grow TV. I'm actually glad y'all are here, because I need to show you something. Now, I have a whole collection of my all-time favorite pictures, but recently, I've heard that they might be fake. Now, I'm just surprised as you, okay? So we gotta get to the bottom of this. So let's get started. I'll show you a picture, and if you believe it's real, put your thumb up. If you think it's fake, put your thumbs down. Then, I'm gonna look at my notes, and we're gonna find out whether or not that picture was fake or not. <laughs> All right, picture number one. It's a short, stubby giraffe. Now, usually they're pretty tall, but have you ever seen a baby giraffe? Well, I don't know. I've never seen a baby giraffe. And because of that, I'm gonna say it's real. <laughs> it's fake. Come on. 
Hey, Carl. Cassie, I need your help. Are you playing fake or not? Yes, I am. Awesome, I love this game, let's go. All right, next picture. Falcon holding the phone. Real. What? I don't think so. Look at him, he's holding a phone. With hands. Falcons don't have hands, Cassie. They have claws. I mean, maybe. What do you mean, maybe? Let's see. It's real. It's real. <laughs> look, it's a reflection. The guy is taking a photo, and the reflection makes it look like the falcon is holding the phone. Oh. Well, that makes sense, I guess. Next one. Whoa. Yeah, that looks super dangerous. Yeah, I'm gonna go with fake. You think? 100%. No one is that tough to stick their head out of an airplane window in the sky. <laughs> well, I am. <laughs> I'm that tough. Ouch. Alright, let's see if it's fake or not. Ah, oh, stink. Okay, this is the last one. <laughs> it's a cow on a car. Are you okay? <laughs> it's a cow on a car. Yeah, I'm gonna go with fake. What do you mean it's fake? It's literally just a cow laying on a car. How can that be fake? Are you kidding me? I win. Well, I can't believe this. Can't believe what? I got all those wrong. It's okay. No, it's not. I don't know what to believe in anymore. It might be hard to tell the difference between what's real and fake, but God will always give us the proof that we need. I guess you're right. It's like the time when God split the sea for Moses. Yep. The time God revealed his promise through a rainbow for Noah and his family. Absolutely. And when Queen Elsa froze over all of Arendelle and made an oath to live in the mountains for the rest of her life. I don't think that's in the Bible. Oh, you're right. <laughs> My bad. But you're on the right track. It's just like the story of Gideon. Gideon what? Gideon. He was an Israelite. Oh, an Israelite. The cousin of the termites. No. Parasites. No. I guess I'm lost. Keep going. Okay, well Gideon was going through some tough times because they had a long seven years and everyone was worshiping idols. What's an idol? Is that some type of weird stinky cheese? No, an idol is anything that we believe is more important than God. Well, nothing's more important than God. I know, but they still worshiped idols. One day, God talked to Gideon and told him that God was gonna use him to free the Israelites. Gideon doubted that it was really God talking to him. Really? Wow. What? Well, to be honest, sometimes I have doubts about life and if God is even really talking to me. I guess it feels good knowing that good people like Gideon went through the same thing. Of course. It's normal to doubt, and it can actually help you learn more about God. Look at Gideon. He asked for multiple signs, and every time, God answered him. Did his doubts go away? Yep, they sure did. And because of it, Gideon helped save the lives of all the Israelite people. How cool is that? God took the doubt of Gideon, then gave him victory and peace. Yep, God gives us extraordinary peace. Hold up, <laughs> I think she just said our big idea. Today's big idea is God gives us extraordinary peace. And on the count of three, we're gonna shout it out together. Ready? One. Two. Three. God gives us extraordinary, extraordinary peace. peace. <laughs> Way to go. You did it. You are the best. The best. God's even better though, and he gives us extraordinary peace. 
because that's our big idea. <laughs> I think we learned a lot today. We sure did. I love learning about Gideon and how God can give us so much peace if we just trust in him. Yep, it sure is cool. Wait, you have something on your sweater. Oh. Thank you for watching and tune in next week for a new episode of So like we learned from Carl and Cassie, God asked Gideon to do something extraordinary. He wanted Gideon to actually free God's people from the Midianites. Now in our story, the Israelites had sinned against God, right? And unfortunately they were ruled by this people, the Midianites, because of their sin. But God showed grace and said, Gideon, I want you to be the one to free my people. And Gideon's response was, Hey God, I cannot do this. I am the smallest one in my family. There is no way that I'm going to be able to do this. And God reminded Gideon, hey Gideon, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you the strength and the courage to be able to do this, right? But Gideon still needed some help like we all do when we are struggling to believe God at times. He was afraid and so he asked God to do some really crazy miraculous signs, right? Something to do with a sheep uh, blanket. He asked God to put the sheet blanket or Gideon put the sheet blanket on the floor and then asked God to leave it dry while the floor was wet. And then the next night he said, uh, make the sheet blanket wet and then the floor dry. And God, even though that was a crazy request and even though Gideon should have believed God, God still came through for Gideon to give him peace. Now, what is peace? Peace is being calm even when things around you are not. And Gideon needed that peace to know that God would be with him um, in that crazy ask to free uh, his people from the Midianites. And guess what? The Bible says that if we trust in Jesus, we have God's peace. We have a promise that when God gives us something to do, that God will be with us and God will give us his peace. To give you guys a little example of what this might look like, um, I have a little kind of scientific object lesson for you guys, right? So... Let's say this water represents us, right? We're the glass, and in this glass is water, right? We can be full of fear. We can be full of uh, feeling like, hey, God, I can't do this. I'm too small. Uh, I can't speak really well, or I'm afraid to do it because I've never done it before, right? And so we're full of fear that represents the water. But then here is God saying, hey, if you uh, have put your faith in Jesus, you have my peace. Whenever you ask for it, I will give it to you. And so God gives us a promise that whenever we are in need of peace, I hope this works, that God will hold us up. So check that out guys. So the water is our fear. The cardboard is God's ability to hold us up and give us his peace even when it can be scary. Kind of like me holding this glass right now. Right? Oh. And so kids, I share that with you to say this, that whatever God wants you to do, just like Gideon, right? It could be scary, whatever it might be. God is able to give you his peace. Whenever you ask for it, God will give it to you because God is good like that. Um, and so I hope that encourages you guys. And I hope that you continue to ask for God's peace no matter what, because he desires to give it to you and encourage you. And so that's all the time that we have for today. I'm going to pray for us and then I will see you next week. Father God, thank you so much for our friends. Thank you for the lesson we learned uh, through Gideon's life, God, that we have your peace when we have to do things that are scary, when you ask us to do something that we might not be sure of that we can do, God, you give us your peace. And so, so thankful, Father, that you do that. 
And God, would you encourage all my friends listening that God, when they trust in you and when they ask for peace, they have it because you're good like that. And so, God, we also pray for our sermon this morning um, with the pastors that you would bless them and allow them to encourage us through your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I love you so much. I'm so glad that you we got to hang out today on uh, this morning's uh, lesson. And uh, I will see you next week. Peace. Praise the Lord, everybody. This is a time of the service where we all can participate in our giving. As we continue with our worship, we are glad that you have joined in with us, and we're glad that you have been giving to help the ministry continue. We ask that you would take this moment and take this time to seek the Lord and just get into your mind what you're going to give. And you can give with the clicks below to the church of your choice, either Watershed Church, Roxville Church, or Wissahickon Church. And so at this time, we're going to pray in the offering as the service continues right thereafter. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for this time of giving. Father, we ask that you would use the finances for your glory. We ask that you would be a blessing to every household that gave. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to bless these ministries. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, what a great uh, opportunity we have to participate in one last service where we all come together, three churches. And it, it's my joy right now to bring part one of this three-part sermon that uh, each of us are going to share. Um, would you pray with me as we engage in the Word of God? Father, would the words that come from your Scripture be applicable to our lives here this day? And would our hearts be aligned with your will, that our feet might be aligned with your way. God, we pray for your presence uh, abundantly clear here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. Whether this is the first time you're with us or whether you're back with us after having been with us for the last 16 or 17 weeks, I am super excited to share with you today's message about how God restores. Now, to enter into this message, I want to invite you to do one thing with me. Would you think of a time in which you felt hopeless? Think of a time in which the weight of the world around you just felt too heavy. Think of a time in which your choice of actions felt like they ran away from the convictions of your heart. Think of a time where the world might have told you that you failed. If you can't think of any of those times, just private message me. I have plenty of those times in my life. I can just share one of my stories, and you can hang on to it. But just like that time that you felt it, or just like the way that the weight of those stories that I have uh, weighed upon me, I want to encourage you right now to hear these words from Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 11, starting in the first verse. This is what the word of the Lord says. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him. He was working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. 
Then the word of the Lord came to me. And he said, he said, can I not do with you, O Israel, as the potter, as this potter does? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation is warned, repents of its evil, and then, then I will relent and not inflict on, the, on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and it does evil in, the sight, in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good that I had intended to do for it. I mean, what a powerful word. Picture it with me. I mean, God speaking to Jeremiah, and he gives him this illustration. And you can, almost, you can almost picture it yourself right now. It reminds me of uh, that Christmas story with uh, little Charles, uh, the, the, the Christmas Carol. I think that's the name of it, the Christmas Carol. And, uh, and, and he, he kind of goes around, and, and I remember that one scene where he's, he's looking in the, in the window, and, uh, and, and he's seeing kind of life go by inside the house. And he's watching well, that's kind of what happens here where, where Jeremiah is looking in through the window and he sees the potter at work. But in this specific instance, what the potter is doing is something that might get, get our attention. The potter is shaping something clearly with a plan in mind. But for whatever reason, it's marred. It's, it's, got, a, it's got an imperfection. It's got something that has caused it to not quite shape the way the potter desires. Now, if it's you or if it's me in that moment, we might discard the clay. We might just get a new batch of clay and start all over again. But I love this about God. He doesn't. He doesn't say, Ray, you've gone too far. You've messed up too much. I'm done with you. He actually says, Ray, I can restore you. I can reshape you. And so he takes and he, he shifts his hands around the clay again and he, and he spins the wheel. And as, as the wheel spins and as, as his hand reshapes the clay, he gives it new purpose. And out of this marred clay comes the beautiful and perfect plan that God has. Friends, I want to invite you today. That memory you had when I asked you to think of it, that was the marred clay. And you might have thought, I'm, I'm hopeless. But my God's a potter. My God is spinning the wheel. And my God is reshaping. And if you'll let him today, here in the midst of this service, watch what his hand will do as it smooths out the imperfections and as it reshapes the inner bowl, giving us again a purpose from the king. It's an illustration that I have heard, and it, it goes something like this. There's two men who go down to a dealership where, uh, where one of them uh, was desiring to buy a car. And, uh, and Jim, Jim is having a conversation with Alex, and he says, he says Jim, I, I, I feel like a hypocrite every time I go to church because I fail to live for Christ so often. Alex responds by, uh, then, then he responds, Alex, 
what do you call that part of the dealership? You know, the, uh, Jim begins to nod his head. He says, I get, I get, yeah, yeah, the, the, you know, where all the cubicles are. And what do you call that? He said, oh, well, obviously that's the showroom. And he said, yeah, yeah, what's behind the showroom? Just on the other side of the showroom. He said, well, that, that's, uh, that's the parts counter. And he says, well, what's behind the, the parts counter? And he said, well, that, that's the service department. He said, yeah. He said, what if I told you? That, uh, that I don't want to bring my car in to get serviced at the service department because uh, even though it's running rough, because I don't want to have to drive past the showroom. And he said, well, that, that would be crazy. I mean, it's absolutely wild to think, like, if there's something wrong with your car, you want to go take it to the service department to get it fixed. And Jim and Alex look at each other. And Jim says, well, what if we've been thinking, as, thinking of church as the showroom? And it's really the service department. What have we been thinking? We got to look all perfect and pretty and shiny in the, in, in the big room. When really, we should be coming in saying, this is the service department. And I'm coming here because I need to sit at the wheel of the potter. And I need to let him reshape. I need to let him curve out those imperfections again. Friends, my God is a God who restores so however far you've fallen, know that my God desires nothing more than for you to sit at the wheel. The marred areas of your life, the things that you wish no one knew about, the things that might keep you in your mind from coming to what you perceive to be a showroom might actually be the things that God works out in your life to give purpose and meaning to the days ahead. We're going to continue in our time of worship, and we're going to hear more about what God is doing and how God might continue, not just to, to restore your life, but to call us to reconciliation and, uh, and beyond that. Let's pray together. God, you are a restoring God, and we are marred clay. Do something great, reshaping each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Pastor Charlie from Wissahickon Church. And I'm going to come out of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. And it reads, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. That is Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And I have been chosen as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I'm not lying or am I exaggerating, just telling the truth. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would add a blessing on the reading of your word. Prepare the hearts and minds of your people to receive a word from you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to me and through me. You say it, I shall repeat it in the name of Jesus. 
and use me for your glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. This is a message God reconciles. Through Christ, God provides reconciliation for all people, making all those who are in Christ a new creature and having new relationships with Christ and with God. As the purpose of his ministry, Jesus, the word, urges us to be reconciled with God and with one another. One of the things he said is to love your neighbor as you do yourself. So if you have any alt against your brother, forgive him. These are reconciliation moments. But now because there is only one God, he is the God of all people. And Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for us all through his sacrificial death. That was the price paid to free people from sin and is now our mediator who negotiates our reconciliation between God and man. The need for a mediator testifies the sinfulness of humanity while the provision of a mediator demonstrates the kindness and the love and the grace and mercy of God. So like Paul, we are appointed with God's authority to instruct the church to be reconciled and to share in the burdens of others and the unity of the church through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. All because of the sacrifice of Christ, the redeemer of our soul. He died on the cross for us, stretched his arms wide, pouring out the most powerful demonstration of love to give his life for us. Now, while Jesus was on his way to the cross, to Calvary, where he would be crucified, in order to be reconciled, with us, back to our Father, which is in heaven. As the Bible says in Matthew 27, 32, as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon. They forced him to carry the cross. Because of the terrible beating that the Roman soldiers had done on Jesus, he was weak and couldn't carry the cross any longer. I can only imagine being a spectator, coming from a place just to view, although I believe I'm just sitting back and I'm taking a view of what's going on, to be thrown out to the forefront. I can only imagine once he put the cross on his shoulder and he got a close-up view of Jesus. I can only imagine their conversation. He probably looked at Jesus with all the scars and all the beatings, with the open wounds, and said, Jesus, your body. 
and knowing Jesus and his character and, and how he betrayed himself in the word and through the word, I can hear him say, Simon, this is my body. It was broken for you. Simon probably looked back and said, but all the blood. And I can hear Jesus say, without the shedding of blood, there would have been no remission of sin. Simon probably said, this is a heavy cross to bear. Jesus said, you need strength, grab the hem of my garment. I believe that even in his weakest moment, Christ still had power to strengthen others. Because that's who he is. The scriptures tells us three things about the man who carried the cross for our Savior. His name was Simon. That's one. He was from Serena. That's two. The city is north of Africa. And so that means he was black. And he had two sons. And it's been recorded in the word. In the book of Mark. He writes as if he knew Simon as to be a believer. Because he knew too much about him. But Simon, like some of us, being a spectator, even though we believe on the sidelines, was forced into helping Jesus bear the cross. We as believers, sometimes we sit on the sideline and we watch others bear the heavy load and bear the cross and the burdens alone. But the songwriter wrote these words. He said, must Jesus bear this cross alone and all the world go free? There is a cross for everyone, and there is a cross for me. We should all bear the cross in unity as one with our Lord. Known from the word of God that we have been reconciled with God. Let us be reconciled with one another. And don't just sit on the sidelines when it's time to gather again. But come bearing gifts and be a present in the midst of worship. And let us begin to heal our land through prayer, through worship, and the love of God with his saving grace and his gift of reconciliation. Let's give back to one another what God has given to us. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ray, Pastor Charlie. Today we heard that God is a God of restoration. We heard from Pastor Charlie that God is a God of reconciliation. And now I just want to talk to you about how God is a God of transformation. You know, during this quarantine, um, we kind of got a little bored as a family, a little stir crazy, and we were looking for a little project to do. We we needed some more space from each other because our house is kind of tight and small. There's seven of us in the house. And so we decided we have a, just a little concrete patio area in the front of our house. We decided to clean it up and put a couple chairs out there. We did that, and that was nice. But as we looked at our whole yard, man, we thought, man, 
our yard's in bad shape. There was weeds, there was brush, there was thorn and thistle, there's crabgrass. It just looked bad, and, and it was bad. It was getting overgrown, and we thought we have all this wonderful space that we could be using. So we made the decision after cleaning up our patio that we were going to really just turn our whole front yard into a new patio and a new living space for us. And so and so we did it. What We had weedy, overgrown, and unsightly things. And as a family, we all just started digging up the yard. We dug up all the weeds. We literally dug up all the grass, all the crabgrass on the hill, on the front. Everything was dug up. And uh, we made our front yard into a patio area. We redid some outdoor furniture. We added lighting. We landscaped the hill in the front of our house and made it really nice. We took down like a 15-foot tall uh, holly tree. Uh, we built flower boxes and hung them underneath our windows. And, and right now, if you were to look at a before and after picture, you would see that right now our front yard, our patio space, is a completely different space. Our, our neighbors watched the transformation take place and have commented during and, and after the process was done about, wow, look at all the changes that are happening. Look at the progress that you're making. And, and let me tell you, it, it was a process. All seven members of our family worked hard. My mother-in-law, she chipped in. She actually helped buy some of the materials we needed to do the work. My dad gave us a, a propane fire pit as a gift after the project was complete. And, and now we have this amazing new space in our front yard. Our, our front yard and really the look of our house has been completely transformed. Can I just say this, for some of you right now, your life, your soul, your heart, where you are, it might look like our front yard used to look. There may be lots of potential, but it might be overgrown and unsightly right now. Can I just tell you this? God wants to transform your life. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to start reading in verse 13 says this, For if we are out of our mind, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, since we have reached this conclusion, that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, I just, 
I, I love this passage of scripture. And there's four really quick things that I just want to pull out from this. And if you're a watershed member, just know I'm going to bring these back up again and expand on it when I have a little more time. But right now, um, I, I just want to bring this. And before I even get to my points, I just, I just kind of want to give you a little history lesson real quick. The term Christian was a first century slur that meant little Christ. Disciples of Jesus were called this when they rejected power and wealth and revenge like Jesus had and had taught his followers to. To the Roman Empire, following a crucified pacifist was madness worthy of derision. So you can see that early on in the church, people's lies, in fact, their very way of thinking were transformed by encountering Jesus Christ. So there's four things I want to look at. First, I want to look at that God transforms your being. God transforms your being. Look at verses 13 through 17 again. For if we are out of our mind, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on then, we do not know anyone with a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, and see, the new has come. You know, when I was redoing our front yard, I had to kill, rip out, and suffocate all the unwanted things in my yard. What was old had to pass away. It had to die. It had to go away. If that stuff didn't happen, then I couldn't have transformed and built this patio and built this deck and, and made a nice, lovely place to be if I hadn't killed out what used to be there. And, and here's what God does. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, He begins to transform your being. I love verse 17. It says, If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. The old has died. And see, the new has come. All those things in your life that aren't pleasing to God, all those things in your life that the, the church word for is sin, God wants to snuff that out. He wants to put it to death. Because if you are in Christ, the old has passed away. That stuff has died. And God is transforming you into a new creature altogether. So God transforms our being. The second thing he does is he transforms our belonging. He transforms our belonging. Look at verse 18 and 19. It says, Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. You see... Before Jesus Christ, before you call the name of Christ, before you submit to him as your Lord and Savior, before you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on your cross for your sins and that he rose again three days later, before any of that, you belong to the world. In fact, the Bible says that you belong to the prince of this world. Like We are in Satan's grasp. And we belong to the world's systems, to the way it thinks, to the way it reacts, to everything about it. We belong to the world, but... When we trust Jesus Christ, our belonging shifts. We no longer belong to the world, but God makes us his own possession. God is reconciling the world 
to himself. And here's something that I want you to listen to very carefully. I want, I want you to hear this. Every human attempt at any type of reconciliation falls short. Every single time. It always falls short. Here's, here's the truth of the matter. You can't be reconciled to your fellow man until you've been reconciled to God. And then you don't belong to the world anymore when you've, belong, when you've been reconciled to God. You don't belong to your former life of sin. You now belong to God. So God transforms our being. He transforms our belonging. And he transforms your business. Look at verse 18 and 19 again. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, your priorities, your focus, your purpose, they've all been transformed. Whatever it was that you wanted in your life, whatever was most important, the money, the fame, the comfort, the good retirement, whatever it is that you thought was important in your life, all of a sudden the priorities shift. And what is important in your life, what becomes your business, what becomes my business, is preaching the message of reconciliation to everyone else. Your relationships, your lives are built from the perspective of reconciliation, not revenge. They become built from the perspective of compassion and not condemnation and from mercy and not malevolence. God transforms your business. And finally, I'm going to close with this. God transforms your benefits. Look at verse 21. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, God transforms our benefits. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But in Christ Jesus, we receive the benefit of righteousness from Jesus Christ. Our sin has been transformed into righteousness. We receive the benefit of life, not death. Because the Bible says you were once dead in your sins and trespasses. But Jesus says, no, you're alive in me. So we have the ministry of restoration, the ministry of reconciliation, and the ministry of transformation. And my prayer for you today is that if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you will allow him, you will trust Jesus to come into your life to restore you, to reconcile you to himself and to others, and to transform your life into something that it couldn't possibly be apart from him. Let's pray. God, you're amazing. We love you so much. Lord, we thank you for the way that you minister to our souls, to our hearts, to our minds, to our bodies. Lord, I pray today.
Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning in this morning. We hope that this message encouraged you. And we also want to thank you for joining us throughout this journey for our United Worship online service with our three churches. And we hope that it's just been a great experience for you and your family and that it has encouraged you um, and shown the body of Christ coming together. And we hope that we will see you next week at Roxborough at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. or online at Watershed for their live stream service at 10 a.m. And so we will see you soon. Take care. Love you. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at roxboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 1030 a.m.